Welcome to a very special episode of Second Chance Cinema called Be Kind Rewind. This is an episode for our first season, recut, remixed, and re-edited for your listening pleasure. Fair warning, there's cursing, and our hosts do spoil movie endings, but we also promote the movies, as is our goal with them all. Enjoy the show. Hey! 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 What are you- Hey! What the hell are you doing? Now you didn't ask my permission to plant these trees, but they're hanging over on my property, so I don't need your permission to cut them down. Oh, come on! Shut that mouthy bitch of yours up. She can say whatever she wants, asshole. Oh, what? You want to come over here and get busy, Chris? Oh, come on. Come on over. Let's do something. Abel, come on. Come on. Turn it up. Shut it up, my what ass. Doing? Shut what that off. Come on over. Abel, you want her to be the man? Turn now? it up. Come on. Bring it on over here. Come on. Come on, here. Come on. Come on. Come on. That's what you want? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's right. Up there. Put your little sword at. What do you got there? Come on. Yeah, that's right. What's up, dude? That was probably like the loudest well, entry. Most of these start with "all right." Yes, yeah. yeah. So it's you know, kind of like the the, the go to. And you know what I realized we didn't say last episode. Now mm. that I mentioned that, there's a lot to unpack here. No, what we're gravitating. Oh, is that what we're gravitating toward? Is well, I feel on? like that's a really good like catchphrase or at least motto for these movies because it's true for most Got, of them. Yeah, absolutely. Especially this, this one. This one, at the same time it has a lot to unpack, I feel that it also is very simple in its execution and its presentation. Yes. If that makes sense. I think so. This is a movie that you had not seen until so, last yesterday. night. I almost said tomorrow. <laughs> okay. Well, that would be amazing. <laughs> so, the, when did this come out? Like 2008. Oh, oh, 08. Okay. So, I... <laughs> so this is a movie that I stumbled upon during a very rough, whoops, my microphone just twisted. During a very rough period of my life, I stumbled upon this movie and it was one of those periods of my life where you just kind of want to, like, you you gravitate toward familiar things. Okay. And I watched this movie and it took so little effort to engage with that the next time it was on, I was like, I'm going to do that again <laughs> and again and again and again. I've probably seen this movie at least 10 times. Wow. Just because... It's on, and it's one of those, like, in the background, it's a great movie to have on. I feel like it completely slipped under the radar, at least my radar. Well, hey, that's why we're here. What channel was it constantly on? Stars, I think, or one of those. Oh, fancy. Never saw it in the theater, um, but like I said, it popped on one time, and I forget if it was because it was Samuel L. Jackson, or if, and and not like I'm a huge Samuel L. Jackson fan, but you kind of see him on TV, and you're like, oh, what's he doing this time? Mm Mm-hmm. And I think I mentioned this last episode. He reminds me a lot of Will Smith in terms of like every movie he's in, unless it's like a highly stylized movie or a highly dramatic role. It's like, oh, here's Samuel L. Jackson as a superhero. Here's right. Samuel L. Jackson as an angry neighbor. Here's right. Samuel L. Jackson as a hitman. <laughs> you know, it's kind of just it's just him being him. Um, and this one, I feel like falls right into that category yes and no like there's times where you're like oh that's samuel jackson and i feel like you inherently like they casted this well because you inherently trust everybody and you kind of trust everybody's opinion okay so when they start acting you know kind of outside the box as far as you know basic psychology goes you kind of go wow you really got into this oh my god like yeah all right well i think i know exactly why it you know it's like a 50 percent some people love it. Some people hate it. Okay. When I was watching this last night, I was like, oh, this is, I have to really pay attention to the nuances of this film because I'm going to have to talk about it tomorrow. Okay. And really, you recommended it to our friend mm-hmm. who recently joined us for our last episode. Via satellite. And then he blew up our phones mm-hmm. with a group messaging. 
and almost spoiled the movie for me to, to the point where I had to say, stop, I'm not there yet. Well, he did, but he didn't. You thought he did, but yeah. it was something completely different he was talking about, which we'll get into. So the movie we're talking about, Lakeview Terrace, starring Samuel L. Jackson, and I knew... I, I he, I always forget this guy's name, and I want to call him Patrick Warburton, but that's Putty from Seinfeld. Mm. But it's Patrick Wilson, Kerry Washington, and that's really it, right? Jay Hernandez. Oh, right. Yeah, I forgot who's in it. And the dude that uh, plays Dr. Karev in Grey's Anatomy, he has a scene. He's the friend that Samuel like walks up to at the party and stares down at. Do you know Grey's Anatomy? No. All right. Well, no. I mean, I know it's a show. Dr. Karev is not even his real name. I don't know what his real name is. Oh, all right. He's been on it like Is he uh, Dr. Dreamy or one no. of them? No. He was like, he was a doctor. And I, I stopped watching after a character died in like the second season. But he was like the doctor who couldn't get anything right. And now he's still on the show, which just, I think, speaks to our medical profession. That show's still on? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Still going. Wow. Most of them die, you know. Yeah, I don't think I know that show. There was one episode I watched because I was dating a girl who liked it, and it had to do with this guy being completely ripped open for surgery, and he was awake while it happened, completely conscious, and he was talking about songbirds. That's all I remember. <laughs> that's Yeah, that's pretty much the show. And then I was like, well, I, I don't have to watch this anymore. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. All right. What we're going to do is we're going to play the trailer for this movie, and during this trailer, we're each going to express ourselves with the written word because we are somewhat writers and then we're going to come back with with what we've come up with and then we're going to discuss the rest of the film are we going to so, call our friend we are going to call our friend okay. um we'll get him and we'll get his thoughts we're still working out the kinks in this arrangement in terms of how best to record him because he's in arizona yep we're still trying to work out the way the best way to kind of get his thoughts on these because he's a very smart guy very eloquent guy and a very um, huge fan of cinema. And if you're one of our listeners, I mean, you've been along for the ride. We are we are growing before your ears. Are we? I think so. Okay, that's good. I mean, yeah. We had I, a catchphrase. We lost the catchphrase. It's oh, like, oh, I see. It's like, yeah. you know, n- new credit music. Right, right, Boy right, Meets right, World right, every, right, right. every season. Right, right, yeah. It's like, it's like when they introduced the, um, the plucky new young character to boost the ratings. Yeah. But like, you still like Doctor uh, F- or Mr. Feeney during like the whole right. Run. I was thinking like Raven Simone on the Cosby Show when, yeah, <laughs> you know that whole thing. Yep, we are in our Raven Simone phase. <laughs> That's where we are. All right, so let's play the trailer. This is the trailer for Lakeview Terrace. New neighbors, though. Yeah, it looks like. Did you meet them yet? Yeah, you want to give people a chance to settle in, you know? I always wanted to say this. We're homeowners. <laughs> Give up the wallet, man. Give it up. Welcome to the neighborhood. What? Never roll your window down when somebody does that. <sighs> Scared the hell out of me. Imagine that. I met our new neighbor, Abel Turner. And? He has a very special brand of humor. He's got security lights. We should put sheets on the windows. Sheets? We need bricks. Your outside lights are shining right into our upstairs. See how that could be annoying? Now I got nothing against you. So I don't need you putting your bedroom scenes out here for my kids to see. Maybe there are some places where that's okay. And maybe that's where you ought to live. You keep saying stuff like, we're not welcome here, we should move. Stay out of my life. You have a good night, Chris. Did you leave the store open? Did you see anyone? No, I just see you. The man never made an actual threat against your life, and he has the color issue on his side, and that color happens to be blue. Whatever it is about us that bothers you, we gotta figure out a way to deal with this. Or what? I got lights. Okay. Now's the time to get out. They'll be gone before you know it. What the hell are you doing? You didn't ask my permission to plant these trees. Come on over. Let's do something. Get off my property. We'll call the cops. I'll tell you who's on duty. We're not moving. <laughs> Says who? Take away his job, his pension, his house. You think you can take whatever you want? Chris, stop it! I'll deal with it. Chris? Chris! I'm the police! You have to do what I say! He's trying to kill us! Come on! Come on. You guys are lucky. 
with a cop living next door. <laughs> Is that it? Yep. Okay. That's it. All right, you want to go first? Sure. All right, so I just did a haiku. Okay. Sooner, I'm going to, you know, research other avenues because I want to break out of this. Okay. But for now, Lakeview Terrace Home, Sam L. hates Kobe Bryant, smoking white people. He does hate them both. Yes. <laughs> okay, I did a limerick, Ooh. I think. Yeah. Fancy. I enjoy this film truly. I think it's pretty groovy. Lakeview Terrace should be embarrassed. They call it Lakeview Circle in the movie. Did you catch that? I did not catch that. At the end of the movie, when they come back from the hospital after she gets attacked, this is Patrick Wilson and Kerry Washington, they come back from the hospital after she gets attacked, and they're going through the barricades because the city's on fire or Mm -hmm. whatever it was. They're like, yeah, we live just up on Lakeview Circle. That's the only time they say it in the movie, and they say Lakeview Circle. Well, it is a cul-de-sac. I mean, I don't know how streets get named, but <laughs> do you know not why? call it Lakeview Terrace. Do you know why it was called Lakeview Terrace? No. Lakeview Terrace is the neighborhood that uh, Rodney King was beaten in. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't know that. That's interesting. So that's like the only reference really to the Rodney King thing other than Patrick Wilson. Can we all just get along? Yeah. Yep. Doing that infamous line. That's an interesting fact. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's why I'm here. Yeah, no, they call it, and and that was one thing I noticed the first time I saw the movie, and just sort of caught me like, wait a minute, that's a little bit nitpicky. So I wonder how that happened. I wonder if they decided maybe it was too obvious, or not obvious enough, I don't know. Like, maybe it was originally called Lakeview Circle, and they're like, no, nobody's going to get the King reference. Something like that, I don't know. I don't know, it's one of those things, like, like how many licks it takes Mm -hmm. to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop, the world may never know. At this point, why don't we get our friend on the phone? Okay. Our friend whose name is Lee Charles. So we'll just let him rant for like five minutes. Five minutes. Hopefully we can keep him. Well, maybe, maybe that'll be his thing. Maybe he can do like a Dennis Leary rant about this movie. There you go. Because he seemed to have some, some thoughts in the text about it, at mm-hmm. least the group text. So, all right. So we'll let him go. You will, we'll get him on the phone and here he is. Here's our friend Lee Charles. Excellent. Well, I mean, it certainly fits your guys' show. I This was one of those ones that I, I missed. Um, I, it came out the first year I was teaching. I just moved out to Arizona, and uh, I had no cable. I had no internet. So, But uh, lo and behold, it was on Netflix, so I checked it out. I don't remember hearing about this movie even after the fact. Um, it, 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 it seemed familiar, though, when I searched it and found it on Netflix. But I, I'm pretty dismissive, and I assumed that my response was, you know, this is exploitative bullshit, I'm not going to watch this, you know, coupled with the fact that ML for uh, a while there was pretty much just doing any script that his agent put on his desk. But, yeah, I mean, I tend to watch movies when I um, when I do cardio, and I'll watch them in, in halves. I'll watch the first half, and then the next half the next day, and I didn't wait until the next day to watch the second half of this. I wanted to know what happened, so I came home and just finished watching it. I think, obviously, the as far as the, the acting is concerned, and the, and the, the characters, your three leads are great. Sam L is always good, and it, it's interesting to see him as a bad guy, which, you know, we've seen before, but sort of more of a domestic bad guy is not the like the bad guy that he is in Django or the bad guy that he is in Kingsman you know and they they do they do a good job of making of legitimizing the anger and the hatred that he has and it's also a departure too from you know like other domestic thrillers like Pacific Heights or Arlington Road you know he doesn't necessarily want he wants to destroy them and frustrate them but he doesn't he doesn't want to hurt them or kill them until obviously shit goes completely south but um, yeah, he just wants him. He wants him out. So he's, you know, he's kind of like like a, a racist troll, so to speak, gatekeeper of the racist gatekeeper of his community. And his character actually made me think of Zeus from Die Hard with Avengers. Oh, yeah. I thought of that line where he's telling the kids to go to school, and he's like, uh, you know, who don't we want to help us? And the two kids kind of like begrudgingly do that, like white people, <laughs> you know, like half half rolling their eyes, right? And then and then you've got those kids or that generation kind of growing up with Kerry Washington and Patrick Wilson. You've got that generational divide of this couple that, you know, isn't interested in color, only love. Um, and I think that that's, that's interesting. I, uh, you, you, you see this between Kerry Washington's father and Sam L. You see this older generation um, of, of black men that uh, don't seem too interested in getting to know or keeping time with white people, you know, and certainly understandable. 
they were raised by people who lived prior to the civil rights movement or if they lived prior to the civil rights movement. Right. Um, yeah. So it's interesting, you know, it's, I mean, it's about black racism and I, I, for the life of me, I can't think of any other movie except maybe some Spike Lee's are coming to mind. It's kind of terrifying to find out that, um, this movie is in some respects, some respects, tamer than the, the source material, which were, um, a series of articles written for, I can't remember, maybe it was a San Francisco newspaper, it was a California newspaper, whatever it was. Right. And, and it's about the, the events that this movie is based upon. Um, yeah. And, uh, the, it's really, you can read all the articles online. They're, they're rather disturbing. Um, but the third act was, you know, it's always hard to deliver on the third act. And I thought, I thought the looming threat of the fire, you know, mm-hmm. moving slowly into their backyard throughout the whole movie. It was just like, that made you like look forward to the third act. I always love that when a movie can do that, like sort of Damocles that's hanging above all the, uh, the characters' heads. And you're just like, oh shit, we're going to Um, you know, and it, it's not metaphorical and everything and it sort of culminates it, it, it becomes a um a set piece as much as it is metaphorical which is pretty clever mm-hmm. um but yeah yeah i think uh you know i was shocked to see that uh the late roger ebert had such positive things to say about this movie i was surprised because i mean you know he, he he is for me hit or miss there's sometimes where it's like really you didn't like that really you thought that was like brilliant really but anyway, um, it, he is right. It gives you a lot to think about. Um, you know, I, I sympathized a couple times with Sam L, you know, where he was trying to talk that kid off, off the ledge who was going to blow his brains out and then gave him, gave him the tough love instead, you know, where he, I don't have kids, but, um, I would feel pretty uncomfortable if my child was going over to my neighbor's house alone to go swimming in her bathing suit and talking about boys with some woman. <laughs> I don't know that his response is justifiable, but, um, you know, we definitely better. Uh, I would never have watched this. How's that? If it wasn't for MC's recommendation, it, it wouldn't wouldn't have even been on my radar. To me, it did seem, having never seen the reviews or anything like that, it just it looked pretty standard fare, and it was definitely definitely above average fare. All right, so good thoughts. I mean, he's so eloquent. He's very smart. I mean, you and him both use words that I. Don't. He was always a. He used to get on my case all the time because I love Jean-Claude Van Damme and like Three Ninjas. And uh-huh. he was all like, Paul Newman is the greatest actor of our time. This was in like fifth grade. Well, so uh, yeah. it's obvious that this is who he was meant to be. Right. And he, I remember, you know, I was, I think I was watching Lion King and Titanic and stuff like that in high school. And he was giving me the towering inferno on VHS. and was like, guard this with your life. It's my only copy. Yeah. I was like, okay. Sounds about right. <laughs> so Lakeview Terrace. Go on. <laughs> uh, directed by Neil Laboot, who is a famous playwright who we studied in college. And so that's where, when you first brought up, like, it's kind of simply told and everything like that. Like, I feel like part of it is him coming from a theater background. Mm-hmm. And you don't really, like, you focus mainly on your ideas and your theme instead of the visuals. Mm-hmm. And really, he focused a lot on symbolism, which you could highly tell when the fire is just getting closer and closer. Mm-hmm. And you keep just, like, looking at it. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, that's really... That's a huge symbol in this. Pretty heavy-handed, but... He did, in the company of men, The Shape of Things, Fat Pig. All these plays kind of are presented in a way where you... It's, it's forcing you to feel uncomfortable. And through your uncomfortability, you start rethinking what Wait, you originally thought. Uncomfortability? Is Dis- that discomfort? Discomfort. Uncomfortability? I don't know if there are word. <laughs> I don't know if that's a word. I like to believe... That you could take a root word and add a prefix or a suffix, and if it's all legitimate, it that's becomes a, word. a new word. Yeah, I'll go with that. Yeah, that's, all right. I mean, go on. Whatever. Uh, so through your discomfort, you rethink your original thoughts when you first walked into it, which right. is what I think Lakeview Terrace is. And hopefully by now people know to watch the films before they listen to this podcast because we're going to spoil everything. Well, yeah. Um, but. Uh, what I think this film does is it's jarring with all of its ideas, but it doesn't tell you what to think about them. And that's what I think I really appreciate about this film is it's not really saying like racism is bad or, you know, anything like that. It's just presenting this story kind of how we always heard about it, where like it would, Samuel will be played by a white guy. You know, hating the fact that there's an interracial couple next door. Uh But Neil flips it on its head Mm -hmm. and makes it a a black cop 
hating the interracial couple next door. Like the reveal, and we can go into the reveal, I guess, but like the reveal as to why he's so prejudiced against this particular arrangement with mm-hmm. a white guy and a black woman in an interracial couple interracial couple is like it caught i don't want to say it caught me by surprise but i guess i guess it did because i wasn't expecting it to be that dramatic and it re- it's the reveal is that his wife he suspected of having an affair with her white boss right was never confirmed right yeah never well, confirmed it, it was but- like there was two things because it was that right and then the fact that she died in the hospital because of the color of her skin right well that right it was never confirmed that he that they were having an affair but he mentions a lot of facts that came out when she died she was in the company of this guy they were somewhere that they kind of weren't supposed to be they were like on the opposite side of town from where they worked so it was a very suspicious circumstance that his wife was who he obviously loved and cared for. You got the feeling throughout the movie. Like he, that, that's the thing about the movie is like he, and this is a tangent. He, I feel, I don't feel like he, like he was very strict and he was very, um, uh, he was just very, very bold in his parenting. Mm-hmm. But you got the feeling that he wanted his kids to genuinely grow up and not be assholes. Right. You know, he steps over the line a couple times, and again, you put it out there like, the director shows you this, but doesn't necessarily tell you what to think. Like, there's the example when he catches his daughter over in the neighbor's yard, and she's swimming, and she's dancing kind of, like, provocatively, and she's, like, what, like, 13 or 14 or something? 15. 15, something Mm -hmm. like that. And um, they get into it, and he ends up slapping her across the face, and it's like, you know, you you're obviously shocked by that as was Carrie Washington who was in the you know situation and the scene as well no I'm just no I did not give you my daughter permission to come over here because it matters to me what you're learning and who you're learning it from okay I told her that she could come over and swim whenever oh so what I say doesn't matter that's not what I meant Abel no 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 I understand where you're coming from I need to to be fresh and 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 liberal and and open to what other people think and do is that right Liz? that's right okay all right then well let's all get crazy let's just get down then huh what are you doing forget the rules huh there are no rules abel we make them up as we go along is that right lisa i am you, right aren't i you've made huh? your point abel whatever we want to do that's all right right enough how you say it baby Just girl make let's your get point. this is sick okay Yo, then. let's keep it gangsta right. what it's okay for you to parade around in your underwear, but not me, huh? You know what that is? That's hypocrisy. That's a double standard. There's no room in this world for that anymore. Didn't you teach her that, Lisa? I mean, you did teach her everything you know, right? No. She knows a shit load more than you do. Okay, sir. I beg your pardon? Stop messing with my life. Telling me what to do, what to say, what to wear. You don't know anything about me, who I am, or what I think. You're just an old man with a badge on his pants off. <clears throat> Okay, Abel. That is not okay. I'm sorry. I'm not myself these days. You know, I'm not um. I'm not sleeping very well. You've no right to hit her. Oh, unless you and me have a long discussion about my parental rights, why don't we? Get off my property. Or what? You want to call the cops? Yeah. I tell you who's on duty. But then he goes off into this like rant and I'm not sure if it was that exact same scene or if it was before or after but he goes off into all these things and all these points about like you know the things that the neighbors do that his kid that they that his kids see and that mm. his kids emulate and it's like well you know he's not wrong about about like the neighbors having sex in the pool and the kids being able to see it right like, that's on the neighbors <laughs> like, right that's that's a shitty thing to do if you're a neighbor mm. and, and you have to take responsibility for that well, and kind of like, I think like when, it's not the climax, but the peak of their fighting really as as gentle neighbors is through the fence. Right. Where Patrick Wilson, you know, plants all the trees. Right. And I was confused on whether or not Samuel Hall was cutting down the trees on their side or he was just cutting down the branches that were hanging over the fence. Uh, I think he was cutting down the trees like with little regard for where they hung. I think he was just stabbing the chainsaw <laughs> through the fence, to be honest. Okay. 
Because I was like, yeah, I mean, totally. If there's branches on his side, he has the right to remove those branches right. that are hanging on his side. So I mean, like, he certainly was doing it aggressively. And in fact, it's his, it's his, I've learned this through home insurance claims. It's his responsibility to cut down the stuff that's hanging on his side okay. of the property line. But I think it was a little bit more of an aggressive, like, because you saw like sparks flying off yeah. the fence well, I mean, and stuff like, like that. They were both assholes. And that's, I mean, like, and that's like one of the cue visuals is the fence, right. you know, going through the middle of them mm-hmm. and them both stabbing through the fence that was uh that's probably one of my favorite lines of the movie is when he calls patrick wilson sugar britches it's like oh that's a good one gotta remember that is that your fart hammer of the day yeah 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 that's <laughs> sugar that's, britches yeah sugar britches we've had yeah maybe we can keep this going the next the next uh the next movie you'll have another word that i'll take away um but yeah he calls them sugar britches that's the scene when they both kind of like they both lose it you're right it's not the climax but then they both kind of um regroup and end up meeting up at the bar later and that's where samuel L. jackson explains right. and that's that's when you almost feel sympathetic toward him when he explains what happened with his wife well and this is i think this is why this is one of the better samuel L. jackson performances he plays this character that has strong opinions and almost his opinions are facts to him, like he, he's right and everybody should go along with his opinions and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But in the same instance, there's these scenes in the bar where he's like, sit down, have another, have a drink with me. You know, like he's like, I'm just having a bad day and da, 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 where you're kind of like, no, you almost stabbed him with a chainsaw. But in the same instance, oh, I think yeah. I would sit down to have another drink with Samuel Jett just to hear him out, you know, type of thing, because he's so pleasant at that moment. See, that part to me, like I, that, that to me was a little bit more underhanded. I felt like he was definitely goading patrick wilson into like i don't know i felt it, I, maybe underhand is not the right word but i felt like he was he, like he was manipulative yeah. in that scene well i mean you've seen it countless times and you know like we were told when we were breaking down plays and everything in college that you take what's on the page you don't try to read between the lines like this is exactly what the playwright is giving you uh-huh. so i mean like if you read between the lines you're you're missing the point right but in the same instance, the way that he is so manipulative, like, you kind of wonder how he was in his marriage. Right. Did he blow off uh, on the wife? And then, you know, like, that's how a they very say, good point. I how never... they say gorillas will make baby gorillas cry to show female gorillas that they are good mates if they can stop the baby from crying. But where, first, they make the baby where, cry. Where did you learn that? Uh, on the Jane Goodall or whatever <laughs> thing. <laughs> never so, heard that before. So, a big gorilla. <laughs> Go on. Will punch a baby gorilla. Oh, my God. Make it cry. And then when the female gorillas come over, it will coddle the gorilla to show that it's a good parent, that it can stop the baby from crying. See, I would have equated that analogy more to the next Spider-Man villain, Mysterio, who conjures up these villains and then defeats him, defeats them himself to act like the hero. Is that in the next movie? Yes. Oh. So. Spoiler alert. Well, it's not really a spoiler. <laughs> I mean, but yeah, that's same, same principle. Same principle. Where it's kind of like you are really rough with somebody so you can show them how pleasant you can be. So you create the problem so you can solve it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I think part of the scene in the bar, too, back to Samuel L. Jackson being manipulative, is uh, Patrick Wilson keeps inching away, but then getting drawn back right in. And I think Samuel L. Jackson, like, because he, he's about to leave, he's like, I've had my drink, I'm done. And then Samuel L. Jackson says something, and it's like, oh. And it just, it, he hooks him for a second, and then I think that happens, like, one more time. And I feel like that's just part of Samuel L. Jackson's manipulative character. Right, well, like, and Patrick puppet Wilson. master pulling the strings, and yeah. He's a putz. Like, that's his biggest thing is weakness. Like, he can't stand up to anybody, you know, type of thing. Like, that's his character arc is he's trying to become a stronger, stronger uh, mate, I guess. Oh, so he's trying to be the protector. Mm -hmm. Okay. But he's not, but he's not, you know, like type of thing. Like, he gets belittled by her dad. True. Um, pretty much, it seemed to me. It seems Carrie Washington kind of runs runs things of the hat. Like she will say something, and he kind of withers away. I got that vibe right until they um, had the argument about her forgetting her birth control. Because mm-hmm. then he kind of stood up to her and called bullshit and was like, "You didn't forget you." You and even um, that, like, I was kind of like, I don't know what to think about this because I, I really feel bad for Carrie Washington, you know, because she's now pregnant. It's like the best time of her life, and he—that's a really awkward conversation when she. Well, right, tells it, because you're right. They never say whether or not it actually like she was deceptive or she just genuinely forgot. You're again left to kind of decide for yourself, and that's the beauty of this movie. Is yeah, you're left everything. You're left to decide what you believe. So back to the beginning of the movie. The movie starts <laughs> with. Um, 
Samuel L. Jackson is a cop. I don't think we even said that, that he's a cop. Yeah, he's a cop. And that's the whole premise of this movie is like, he's supposed to be the protector. He's supposed to be what makes your neighborhood safe. All the neighbors you'll hear throughout the movie are thrilled that he's there. They're thrilled that he's at the end of their street. They're so lucky to have a police officer in their neighborhood. But he, he's the biggest danger to Patrick Wilson and Gary Washington's relationship. Mm. At first, they present him as like a strict parent. Well, what did I tell you about that jersey? It's clean. We're not advertising that guy, okay? Why not? Because he don't approve of him. He's like 47% from the floor. Marcus, another shirt, please. Hey, look, son, we talked about this, right? We decided to make the jump to Shaq. Doesn't approve. Huh. What? What's the rule? I don't know. You got so many. Have. I have so many. And let me remind you. Not at the table. It's disrespectful. One, two, three strikes. It's out. Ron Dory gave me this. I'll give it back to him. And then they present him as a kind of like a skeptical neighbor. Like when he starts to get introduced to Patrick Wilson and Gary Washington, he's very, I I don't know, his character is such like, he's very like matter of fact. And like you said before, he's very opinionated. He's also kind of like, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a word better than dickish, but it's like, that's kind of the word because he, he's very pointed in his actions and his words. Like he knows exactly what he's doing when he pulls um, Patrick Wilson over, Patrick Wilson, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was, who's, is Patrick Washington a person? That just popped into my head. Somewhere in the world. Is he a president? He's probably a no, president. No, he was <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, um, he pulls him over and he's like, never roll down your window and mm-hmm. takes him on a stroll the neighborhood. But he keeps poking him with these little jabs about like, well, you know, something's wrong with somebody's relationship. But you can't say anything, can you? Right? Because that's not your business, right? <laughs> and he's just like poking and poking and poking. Abel, hold on. Look, and whatever it is about me or us that bothers you, we got to figure out a way to deal with this. All right? So what do you propose? What? What's your agenda? Can we all just get along? <laughs> oh, not Rodney King. You playing the race card? <laughs> Come on, man. This is getting a little out of hand. I, mean, I need you to back off. Back off? Yeah, a little. Or what? See, you keep saying stuff like that. Like, we're, we're not welcome here. We should move. But we're fitting in just fine. Says who? Stay out of my life. Stay out of your life. Have a good night, Chris. Then the first time you see him actually as a cop, I think, is when he they chase down that guy who's got his family mm-hmm. hostage in the apartment. The guy shoots through the door with a shotgun, right? Right. And then Samuel L. Jackson chases him down, catches him like on the in the back of the apartment complex, holds I think the billy club up to his mouth or his his chin or something like that, and like doesn't beat him, but handles him roughly and aggressively. Well, he grabs the shotgun and says, "Do oh, it." Oh, that's right. Yeah, he grabs the shotgun and and puts it up under the kid's chin. Give it up, Damon! Come on, give it up! Ah! Stop, Damon! Look in my eyes. Look in my eyes! Is this gonna happen again? Huh? No! What? No, sir! No, I swear to God, no! no. God ain't here. You swear to me. I swear! I swear to you, sir! Now you be a man. Understand? You take your responsibility. I don't give a shit what your situation is. You be a father to that baby. You got me? Abel. If I have to come back here, I'm gonna be the one doing the shooting, you understand? Yes. 
<laughs> Which, I mean, I don't know anything about, like, what constitutes police brutality, but he 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 definitely handles the kid roughly. Right. He doesn't outright beat him, but that's the first glimpse you get into kind of, like, the physical danger that he can impose. And there is one of two people in this movie, that kid right there, mm-hmm. the acting in that scene from him, mm-hmm. awesome. Dynamite. Oh, it's terrifying. Yeah, and he, ju- he does it so well, and I... I the other one is later on in the movie. Um, the it's the cop that tells uh, Patrick Wilson and Kerry Washington to get their stuff and and uh, leave the neighborhood. He comes back when Samuel L. Jackson's like, "I'm a cop." He's like, "I don't care if you're the Pope. Get your hands up." You know, type of thing. All right. That guy for some reason stole stole the screen from me. Really? Mm-hmm. I don't. I could. He's Billy Brown. I think. I, I remember the kid. I don't remember that guy so much. So again, the the layout of this movie, I think. Is the beauty of it. It's a very... It's two neighbors who grow to hate each other. Okay? Who don't want to hate each other at first. I, I think... Would say. I would say... I would disagree with that. I think Samuel L. Jackson, the moment he sees that... Because you look at... This is a good scene. When 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 Kerry Washington pulls up with her father driving the car, he thinks that it's a black couple with an older man and a younger woman. Right. You can tell that on his face that he's like, oh, this is... Kind of odd, but I'm not yeah, too bothered by it. Looks by it looks gross to me. Uh, it, it's it's <laughs> very like you know like a, a what is that? Is that a sugar daddy or like yeah. a gold digger kind of thing? Yeah. Like that's the vibe you get because he pulls up in this, you know, and she I, I forget if she was like twirling her hair or something. It's a very it's it's obviously a plant to swerve you then. Mm-hmm. And then Patrick Wilson pulls up. I keep second guessing every time I say his name. I'm like, is that right? Yeah, Patrick Wilson pulls up, and then he embraces Kerry Washington, and they kiss. And you can see Samuel L. Jackson. They cut to him, and it's like his jaw drops, and he's like, oh, and he's just like aghast and disgusted, and and all that. And I think right there is when you get like, I, right then is when I felt like, oh, he's determined to, like, he made his decision. Right. He hates these. He hates this idea. Maybe not these people, but he hates this idea. Right. Well, I think. I mean, he's got the. PRS post relationship stress disorder from his wife, you know, like type of thing. I feel like Samuel Jackson does not want to be racist. What he is, you know, type of thing. And so that's why when he's talking to Chris uh-huh. Patrick Wilson, that's his name. Yep. God, I was waiting for you to say it for like a half hour. <laughs> I couldn't remember it. Um, he's talking to Chris like by the side of the road, like, and he's trying to be pleasant and everything like that. And then he just gets his little because he has his friends, and, you know, he has his, his coworkers and everything that are white and everything. Is know? he trying to be pleasant though? Like, I think or he is, is he? See, I don't. I think. <laughs> I think. I think from the maybe it's second, because I want to like Samuel Jackson. Maybe you start with him. Like this looks like it's going to be his film, right? And everything he does up until that point, like, is uh, so. This was what two thousand eight. Mm-hmm. So I was like approaching my. Th- approaching 30 when I watched this. So I was probably a little more sensible. So I'm like seeing him raise his kids and I'm like, everything he's telling them, like, you know, it's rude to wear your headphones at the table. And mm-hmm. at the time it was like Kobe Bryant was, you know, I don't remember what the time frame was for that whole thing, but Kobe Bryant the was, rape case? yeah, Kobe yeah. Bryant wasn't, you know, a, a public darling or anything like that. And he was just trying to like do right, you know, like all these things that manners, basically mm-hmm. manners and decency, and then, to me, as soon as he sees Patrick Wilson and Kerry Washington embrace from his window, his mouth, like, he just sits there with his mouth agape, and that's when I'm like, oh, now he's got, like, there. that's when the motivation kicked in. I mean, it's really, but it's all dependent on the relationship. Like, I think if Kerry Washington was white or Patrick Wilson was black, it would have been fine for Samuel L. Jackson. Like, whether it was a white couple or oh, a black I couple. I don't disagree in, with it's that. Like the inter- I don't it's disagree the interracial mix No, I don't disagree with that. I Even think- if... Uh, if Patrick Wilson was black and Kerry Washington was white, you know, like type of thing. Like, I feel like he'd be okay with that. It's just because everything was so similar, similar to right. his wife and a, her, her white employer in the car. Right. Which, again, is all at this point, uh, or at least we're told, is all just conjecture at this point. It's nothing like he didn't, you know, he didn't find any like letters or any. I wonder if there was a scene cut because his daughter was talking about dating a white person. And I wonder. Oh, that's right. You know, like how that would have gone over in that household. Yeah, I wonder if there are any deleted scenes because that was the scene where he... I mean, probably on like the, the writer's room floor. But. See, and that was, an, that was an interesting dynamic between the daughter and Carrie Washington because the scene you're talking about, Carrie Washington and Patrick Wilson have this like fancy pool that they say the kids, his Samuel Jackson's kids can come swim in anytime. 
and they take him up on that and the girl comes over and is swimming and Carrie Washington comes out just to be like, hey, does your dad you know you're here? And no, he doesn't. And then they sort of have like a girl's talk moment where like it was almost like a mother daughter dynamic. Mm-hmm. And I wonder. Which she probably needed, you know, like. Right. And really that scene. And, and then Samuel Jackson storms in and he's like. You know, I forget what he says, but he's like, why are you wearing this bathing suit? Why are you dancing like that? Why are you Destiny's know, Child? Destiny's Child, right? <laughs> and then that's when they that's when he ends up slapping her and, and they him, him and Carrie Washington get into this whole argument. But I always kind of got the feeling that it was like he didn't want like he he sensed that there could be that that relationship growing, like the maternal relationship. And he took offense to that. Mm-hmm. Like he didn't want her to be viewing Carrie Washington as anything close to who her mother was, or or anything like that. And maybe it's like the hot, like the person that watches a whole lot of movies in me. But I was like, does Samuel L. Jackson would he be interested in Carrie Washington? Do you think? Like there was like some that, parts where see, I was like, that, hmm. he played himself as such a not wicked, but like a. Um, I feel like he was a very determined antagonist mm. to the point where that never crossed my mind. Okay. I did. Well, because at this point, like my note, my note is at this point in the movie, I think if you're racist, you're going to hate this movie. I think this movie will conjure up so much emotion in you that you're like, F this movie. Racist on either side? Like, just well, I, don't, I mean, I, general, I have or? no idea like how, you know. Yeah, I guess I can't racist my... is racist. Isn't yeah. It? yeah. Um, but in the other instance... At this scene where Samuel is just being a pompous douchebag and be like, I'm going to take off my pants. We're all going to be naked here. Yeah, and that yeah. type of thing. Like, I was like, I think I'm going to walk away and just hate guys <laughs> in this movie. Because Patrick Wilson is a schmuck who's like trying to hide smoking and da 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 da. Uh-huh. And Samuel Jackson is this asshole, matter of fact asshole, you know, uh-huh. my, my opinion goes. And you got these two women in the background, like just loving men. You know, type of thing. What two women? Oh, Carrie Washington and uh, Celia. Oh, the daughter. Oh, the yeah, daughter. Yeah, yeah, okay. 15 in the movie. She was 21 in real life. Um, but the... Uh, that girl was 21? She was 21. When she played that mm-hmm. role? Good grief. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, she was born in 87. This came out That's amazing. She had that, like, teenage attitude down. Yeah. She nailed it. But, like, all they do is love their men. At that part, I was like, well, guys are just... But wait, the world. She, she resented him quite a bit, the daughter. Resented her dad, Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, quite a she's bit. fifteen, though. I mean, like, see, I don't know. I, I might, I might, I might respectfully disagree with that because I thought that she pretty clearly resented him, and there wasn't a lot of like, oh, but he has a good heart. Same thing with Patrick Wilson, Kerry Washington. Like, I got the feeling that they were working their way through the. F- un- I, first of all, the, uh, do they say that they were recently married? I think you just assumed that they were pretty recently married. I feel like somewhere I got three years. Oh, okay. So, all things considered, that's fairly... I mean, the fact that this is their first house. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's, like and that's what I'm going on. So, I felt like they were working through like what was an especially... Like a, a turbulent time in any relationship. Buying a house, moving in... Mm-hmm. I'm assuming not moving in together, but moving into like a you know, planting roots kind of situation together. I mean, I also want to make a joke. They say the first year of marriage is the hardest. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Um, I can attest to that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, here's hoping it's not in, in about three months. But uh, I forget what I was saying. Oh, and, and I didn't get, like, I got the feeling that um, Carrie Washington and, like, their relationship to me in the movie was probably the, like, I had the least stake in their relationship, I think. Like, I was more interested in Samuel L. Jackson's relationship with Patrick Wilson throughout the movie. I think that was the, to me, that was like, how is this going to play out? Even when Kerry Washington and Patrick Wilson, like, weren't talking near the end, like, I was like, they'll be fine. Like, I never, like, doubted them. Uh, Well, the big, the big saving, um, I don't know, coup de gras, is that a term? That is a term. What does that mean? Top notch. I don't know if I'm... (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if... I took French for like eight years and I don't remember. Coup de gras, which looks like coup, coup de, de grace. grace. Literally a stroke of grace or a blow of mercy. Okay. so Originally referred to a mercy killing or putting to a death. Not a killing, but a stroke of grace, I feel like, is when he goes back to the house to, when their alarm goes off, 
He goes back to the house. She's been attacked by the guy that Samuel L. Jackson sent to attack her. Not to attack her, just to well, mess to up the scare house. her and mess up the house. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. He sent him to mess up the house and hopefully scare them into moving away. Mm. She goes home unannounced and she scares them. What do you call him? He's not really a mugger. He's a rapist because Sam Samuel at the beginning is like stop with these little girls, you know, type of thing. I think oh, like I he's just he's a ruffian of sorts, but hooligan. I think he also we'll call him a hooligan. I just think he lives outside the lines. Okay, so he's also Samuel Jackson's informant, mm-hmm. which proves that Samuel Jackson isn't afraid to get his hands a little bit dirty for the greater good. Right. Anyway, the coup de gras, I think, is when Patrick Wilson goes back to the house when he hears the alarm, tries to save Kerry Washington, and then Samuel L. Jackson follows suit, ends up shooting the guy, which was really kind of, like, heartbreaking because the guy who Samuel L. Jackson was essentially, like, not friends with, but at least, like... I don't know, like a business relationship. The guy's right. like, yo, dude, what are you doing? And right. then he shoots him and kills him in the pool. That's when it's kind of like you think everything's going to be buttoned up kind of neatly because Samuel Jackson just saved Kerry Washington's life and Patrick Wilson came to the rescue. Mm-hmm. He was on the scene first and he came to the rescue and he made sure she was okay, took her to the hospital. So you're kind of like, oh, this is, you know, a little bit neat and tidy. You kind of, you know, that's not where it's going to end. But he's excited the baby's okay. Right, 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 right. I I felt the most strength in their relationship, Carrie Washington and Patrick Wilson's, during that moment. Like, once she came to and they were like, they had just escaped this potential tragedy, that's when I felt the most strength in their relationship. And that, I think, is actually pretty brilliant because... If you think about it, in many relationships, if the relationship is meant to continue and the relationship is meant to grow stronger, that's what does it, is the, the trying situation. Yeah, the hardships. Right. So that was kind of, that's, that just seemed very real. That seemed very genuine. Would you have been okay if the movie ended there? No. I would have felt really, <laughs> really. Although, I will say I'm not okay with how the movie ended. Okay. Here's why. <laughs> Kids, you're going to your, your aunt's for the weekend. Uh huh. Well, I was confused. I was like, "Is that his wife?" You know, like the, oh, I think wait, it was his really, sister. It, it was his sister-in-law. Oh, it was his sister-in-law. But the, I don't think they addressed that until like maybe ten minutes later. He was like, "Well, they're at my sister-in-law's." Because okay. the woman that came over, I was like, "Oh, it seems like an estranged wife situation." Oh no! Yeah, that was his sister-in-law. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay, kids, you're going to your aunt's for the weekend. Welcome back, kids. Your dad's dead. <laughs> Like, that kind of was like, all right, let's... They, the, the last part of the movie, they completely just throw away the concept of the kids. Right. And that kind of bugged me, because i that's the first thing I thought. I was like, oh, those poor kids. They come back home, their house is on fire, and their dad's dead. Yeah. Like, that sucks. That's At that point, you kind of want Samuel L. Jackson to have a reprieve, I guess, mm. or have some kind of restitution where he's he saves himself. What, there's a word for that. I can't think of what it is. Mm. You want him to do like a, a 180 and, and not necessarily be a hero, but like, I didn't want him to die. Right. No, no. And I, well, and that's, I think what the movie does so well is kind of like it has done like the entire time. You don't know necessarily how people are going to react in this whole movie. And so when you have, when you bring gunplay involved mm-hmm. at the very end, you're kind of like, who is going to die? You know, you got right. Carrie Washington on the street on her knees begging Patrick Wilson to put down the gun. Right. Yeah. Patrick Wilson, who's probably not made too many right choices in the movie. And so you're wondering. And also, you don't get the feeling is well trained in handling guns. No. So it's like, is it going to be one of those things where it goes off and it shoots her or right. something like that? Samuel has is very manipulative. I so like you, that you call him Samuel. Like, Samuel. Well, you kind of you kind of blend them together. No, I do Sammy and then L. Samuel. Okay. Because as I was doing the haiku, I was like Samuel L. Like I was like, I don't, I don't really like his Samuel name anymore. Samuel L. Wait, Samuel L. That's four syllables. That's like that's like your whole for first line yeah. pretty much. <laughs> so I. I went down to Sammy L. But the gunplay you were talking about. Um, yeah, so you know he's manipulative. So mm-hmm. you don't know what he's, what bag of tricks he's going to come out of. Mm-hmm. And then you have a bunch of, I think they're state patrol. Something like that. Um, state troopers who are just going to do what they're trained to do. So I'm who like. Are, yeah, who are, I mean, they're, they've all got their guns pointed at. That's the thing. They've all got their guns pointed at the scene, but you never see like who they're pointed at. Like, right. Are they pointed at. Patrick Wilson is standing on the side of the cops with his gun facing towards Samuel L. Jackson. Right. But then you just see the cops with their guns pointed. Mm. And you don't see necessarily where they're pointed. And the the helicopter light is on Samuel. Samuel. Who has his hands up, so he looks completely innocent. So you're kind of like, what is everybody thinking in this moment? Which is kind of what you're thinking the entire movie. Uh-huh. And then Chris does a... 
some psychological trick to try and get you know. Oh, and that's that's when he brings up his his, his wife. wife, and he's like, "Put down your weapon! Do it! Put down your he's weapon! to kill us! I got it under control, fellas. It's all right, okay? It's my neighbor. He's having a bad day. You know, he's under a lot of stress. He's lying. Don't listen to him. He's got a gun. I do not have a weapon. No, he's lying. Look." His wife was attacked today. I took the guy down. You can call in and check that out. Right? Not move any further. He just a little demented. He he went off and attacked me, but he's okay. He's right? He's got a gun. It's right behind his back. Listen, I'm LAPD, guys. I'm law enforcement. Like I don't you. give a damn if you're the Pope, asshole. Not move any further. It's true. He's a cop. See, Chris? I'm the police. You have to do what I say, okay? Put down the gun, all right? Sir, put the weapon down! No! I will not! Not until he puts his down! He's got a gun! God damn it! I do not have a gun! They turn around, Abel! They turn around! Sir, drop the weapon! Chris, please! Please, please, Come on! If you point that thing at me, Chris, you better be willing to use it. Stay where you are! This is what you want, huh, Abel? Sir, drop it! This is what you want? Chris, listen to me! Stop it! Listen to your wife, asshole! Chris, please, stop! Listen to your wife, huh? What? Did you? Chris, stop! You to listen to your wife. Did you see it coming? Shut up! You don't bring my wife into this. But she ran off on you? You leave my wife out Did you see it coming? Don't let her name come out of your mouth! Did you see it coming? Shut up! That was an interesting part, too, because that was the first time, like, most of this movie, Samuel L. Jackson, I would say 99% of this movie is just angry guy. Mm-hmm. We'll say, like, okay, f- say 50%, of, 49% of this movie, he's angry guy. 49% of this movie, he's, like, manipulative, charming guy, almost. 2% of this movie are facial expressions that are, like, what the hell? And the first one is when he sees them together the first time and they're mm-hmm. kissing. The second one is when Patrick Wilson has the nerve to bring up his dead wife in that situation. Right. Because he almost cocks his head and he's like, what the fuck did you just say? Right. And that's when that's when you realize that Patrick Wilson has become the manipulator and is kind of like, he's poking the same way that Samuel L. Jackson has done the whole movie. Right. And I wish there was one other scene in the movie where Patrick Wilson realized that was a hot button. Not necessarily, because you have Samuel at the bar talking that it's a hot button. You know, like, this is this is why I'm having a bad day. It's the anniversary of my wife's death. She was a rah, 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 rah. But we never see Patrick Wilson bring up his wife again mm-hmm. to see that he can control Sam's reactions through that. Well, he learned it too late, but yeah. Right. So, I mean, like, that's the old, that would be, like, my one biggest gripe with the movie is I want one more scene where, even, like, through the fence, where he's like, Ah, your wife's like you're being dead or something than living with Jeez, you, you know, like man. type of thing. That's brutal. And then, you know, Samuel's right, right. like, ah, sugar britches. Sugar britches? <laughs> sugar britches? But like, so that that's like, that's the, my biggest gripe. That's not that when he bad said, of a gripe. To me, when he said sugar britches, the fight was over. Like, <laughs> Patrick Wilson, back to your corner, you lost. Amazingly. Okay? Judges, score for Samuel Jackson, game over. I might say this movie is the hardest PG-13 movie I've ever seen. Really? I mean, they they cuss throughout it. Yeah. There's shooting. Yeah. There's strippers. <laughs> there's a whole lot of like you don't see talk. anything though, right? You don't see anything, but I mean, like for PG thirteen nowadays, like there's uh, two yeah. f bombs. I mean, at this point, like Avengers was PG thirteen. They're having so sex I don't in even, the pool. That's true. I don't even know what constitutes PG thirteen anymore. Like. Uh, this was I don't feel like this was this was definitely not a big budget movie. I don't imagine it was meant to do like Avengers Avatar numbers. No, but it's twenty million. Like when you see a movie like you know, not that Avengers was super gratuitous or anything with violence or anything like that. When you see a movie that has basically war and violence and murder and killing and all that stuff and it's rated PG thirteen, it's like, Oh, we want the kids to go see it yeah. so that it'll make more money. This movie, I feel like, could have been an R, could have been a PG-13, and it would have been the same I think it result. should have been an R. I don't see... I mean, I don't think it would have made a difference. I don't, th- like, I don't think you're looking at this movie and being like, let's get the kids... To be it. honest, I assumed it was R until you just said that. Yeah. So, right. I, that's, that's what I'm I don't saying. even know. I like how he breaks the... When the robber breaks into the house with a peace rock, a rock that says peace. <laughs> Did not notice that. That's yep. deep. So, my, another gripe, and this isn't with the movie, this is just with movies in general. Okay. So, when they're fighting in the house, uh-huh. Samuel takes out the the baton 
uh-huh. right? And smashes Patrick Wilson in the face. Uh-huh. And then at the end, when he's having a romantic moment with his wife, it's Nothing like a little face. cut. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, just yeah. to make sure he's pretty. Right. And it's like, I don't think he has to be pretty in this well, moment. Well, he's a pretty guy. <laughs> I mean, by nature, he's a pretty guy. And then my favorite line. Did you ever see Hard Candy with yeah. him? I, well, I was thinking about recommending that movie, because I don't think enough people have seen Hard Candy with him and uh, what's-her-face? Juno, um, Ellen Page. Yep. My favorite line of... Samuel in this is a uh, you boy white boy say whatever <laughs> whatever <laughs> and you think you can, can do, do whatever whatever you want, you want. <laughs> his delivery on that line it just made me chuckle that was part of the movie where yeah that was one part of the movie where he sort of wasn't Samuel L. Jackson as the angry neighbor he was mm-hmm. like he was he was stretching his comedic talents for that so overall this I, I love this movie and and the story I told about the guy who um, I worked with who hated Oliver Platt mm-hmm. irrationally that same guy loved this movie like as much as he hated Oliver Platt. <laughs> like we used to yell across the office, like "I'm the police!" Just, just, <laughs> and, and it was, it was. I mean, it was. It's one of those things where this is such an innocuous throwaway movie that nobody, probably outside of a select few of us, have heard of. You know, guarantee if you ask like my parents, your parents, anybody, they're like, "What?" Yeah, no. But like, I feel like this is a really good representative movie of what we're trying to do with this podcast. Yeah. No, definitely. Like, I've, I've never seen it before. And you're like, what's well, on Netflix? And I was like, all right. And I queued it up yesterday and watched it. And I was like, oh, man, this is really insightful. Mm-hmm. It's this a, makes you think deeply. It's a thinker, but at the same time, it's a very, very simple movie to, to sit through. Probably. Our favorite review. Our favorite uh, critic. It's pretty long. I'm going to try and make it as entertaining as possible. Okay. But this is Roger Ebert, God Rest His Soul. Uh, the late Roger Ebert? I don't know how we should address him. We should give him some kind of title. Is he, because he's we dead. Him, he is dead. Um, I, 95% sure he's dead. <laughs> um, we'll confirm and we'll 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 get back to you. All right. Neil Laboots, Lakeview Terrace is a film about a black cop who makes life hell for an interracial couple who move in next door. It will inspire strong reactions among its viewers, including outrage. It is intended to. Neil often recreates painful situations that challenge a character's sense of decency. This time he does it within the structure of a thriller, but the questions are there all the same. For example, and actually he asks questions in this review, so if you want to answer what you believe. Oh, okay. For example, the neighbor Abel Turner is a bitter racist. He has his reasons, but don't we all? For being racist? Yeah. <laughs> That's one I mean, I the think, I think, well, here's what I think, and this is probably worthy of a much longer discussion, but I think that every human being is, every human being is submissive to inherent prejudices just based on their life's experiences. If I get bit by a dog when I'm a little kid, I'm afraid of dogs for right. a while. Well, and that's what, so, like, the thing, I had a Nigerian teacher in college who was like, do you see me as a black man? And, like, you know, the... the Great accent. Right? The class. <laughs> I could do better. Well, the thing was, you didn't want to commit to it until right. the very end, and then you were just like, fuck it. Do I'm you going. see me as a black man? Okay, yeah. This is kind of how I'm doing my Will Smith concussion. And we are like, I think the class had probably eight white kids and two black kids, and we're all like, yeah. And he's like, then you are racist. Uh, you're seeing me as a race and i was like okay well that's perceptive you know like i hope that's as far as it goes with me but in the same instance so i recently not recently probably like three years ago i ran across a person who was proud to be racist and i was like what's going and they're like well i was just wronged as a kid as a child you know type of thing and it's, it's just in me and i was like i'm pretty sure no matter what more white people have harmed you in your life because that's who you surround yourself with than the one or two of a different color or creed that wronged you that you're now focusing on. That's pretty that's pretty insightful. And I think back to back to my analogy with dogs. Like I think <laughs> I well, I think that my point was that if you So here's the thing. Assholes come in all different shapes, colors, and sizes. Oh my god, the human race sucks. <laughs> the human race is full of assholes. Of every possible specificity okay so my point about dogs if you get bit by a dog you're gonna have a natural aversion to dogs because at a formidable stage in your life something negative happened that involved a very specific circumstance Mm. that being an interaction with a dog the problem is i think that most people don't willingly mature or enlighten themselves beyond that single dog yeah. And realize that not all dogs are aggressive and are assholes. Or on the flip side, that, again, that assholes come in all different breeds, shapes, sizes, and, and, and whatever. And to to single out one is just, 
I mean, ignorant. Yeah. Right? So it's like his racism in this movie, the reason why it's brilliant, his racism racism in this movie is be- it starts off just as racism. Mm-hmm. Like you just see him as like, oh, he's a black guy who hates this interracial couple and that's it. And then it's not until like the last, I don't know, 20 minutes or something of the movie left, you his reason is revealed. And, and the fact that after him presenting himself as this just like crazy bigot for so long, and then at that moment, when you hear the story about his wife, the fact that the director and the writing and the acting is able to sort of like click this little bit of sympathy, I think that's pretty brilliant. Yeah. Okay. And then when you get to that moment, it kind of tugs at your heartstrings a little bit, right? A little bit. Uh, just a little bit. A and little that's bit, all yeah. I'm saying. Like, I'm not saying that it justifies any of his actions right. at all, but you kind of get that, oh, everybody's got a different story. Yeah. You know, like don't judge a person because you don't know what they've been through kind of thing. Well, and that's, yeah, I mean, I think that's where everybody has it. Like, the broad strokes kind of of the media today and everything that's saying, like, well, if you believe this, then you're this, and, you know, then everybody is this and this certain Mm. point. You know, like, even as a country, we're kind of like, well, the Democrats are diverse and the Republicans are racist, you know, type of thing. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like, you can't paint everybody with a broad, everybody has their own story, like you were just saying. That's why, like, so I try very, very hard not to use as much as possible, not to not to use words like never, always, every, everyone. Because that's such, and I'm I'm guessing if, if there's anybody bored enough, you can go back through these podcasts and see how many times I've actually said that. It's <laughs> probably a lot. But and I'm I'm about to do it now in the ultimate twist of irony. Anytime you say something like that, you're committing yourself to an almost impossible standard of accuracy. Right. That means that every Republican is racist means that's such an easy thing to disprove, much easier than it is to prove. Because all you have to do is find one person who's not, and that statement is completely false. Well, I just think statements like that and what, like everything, what I hate is anything that's divisive, anything that's making you say, like, look at this person in a different way. And it's like, you no, we're all humans. We all have our backstories. We all have our struggles. We all have our beliefs and whatever. And it's kind of like, as long as we can converse and not be divisive, that's where the love lies. What year is it? 2019? Mm -hmm. And we're engaging in a pretty fairly insightful discussion about... um, You wanted this. (laughs) I didn't want this. I didn't want this. And somehow, we did this with Gremlins too. (laughs) And somehow, somehow our podcasts always seem to end up here. And I was going to say, this all spurned by this movie, Lakeview Terrace. Do you think Samuel Jackson even remembers making this movie? Maybe. I Because <laughs> I you look at his roles, and I feel like he was like, this movie is going to say something, you know, type of thing. What else did Roger Ebert say? Okay. He's better at talking. He didn't even end Don't We All with a question mark. And I, I would say, no, I, I don't think I have any reason to be racist, really. So I hope I'm not. It is one mark of a sociopath to try to cure his wounds by harming others. The decent person does not visit his obsessions and prejudices upon his neighbor, but is enjoying to love him as he does himself. Since Turner may hate himself, of course, that is a problem. But take a step back. What if all the races were switched? If the neighbor were white, the husband next door black, his wife white. Same script. It would be the story of a sociopathic white racist. Mm. It might be interesting, but it would have trouble getting made. The casting of Jackson as the neighbor creates a presumption of innocence that some will hold on to longer than the story justifies. Uh-huh. Don't think for a moment that Laboot doesn't know audience members will be thinking about that switch of identities. He wants us to. All of his fi- films feature nasty people who challenge nasty thoughts or fears within ourselves. Is this movie racist for making the villain black, or would it be equally racist by making the villain white? Well, what's your answer? Wow. Ebert wants to know. <laughs> that's quite. Th- that's way better than he did for Gremlins 2. <laughs> And then he goes on to, I mean, he pretty much breaks down the entire film. On top of all these questions, Neil constructs a tightly wound story that also involves crude male bonding at an LAPD bachelor party, sexual humiliation, attempted rape, a cat and mouse game with cell phones, and a violent conclusion during which we must decide if Chris is right about Abel or wrong or just discovering how to push his buttons. I'm surprised by the PG-13 rating. It's a challenging journey. Labu takes us on. Some will find it exciting. Some will find it an opportunity for an examination of conscience. Some will leave feeling vaguely uneasy. Some won't like it and will be absolutely sure why they don't, but their reasons will not agree. Some will hate elements that others can't even see. Some will only see a thriller. I find movies like this alive and provoking, and I'm exhilarated to have my thinking challenged at every step of the way. The 
effect is only intensified by the performances, especially by Jackson, who, for such a nice man, can certainly play vicious. Carrie Washington's character, in my mind, takes the moral high ground, although it's a little muddy. Her beauty and vulnerability are called for. Patrick Wilson plays a well-meaning man who is challenged to his core and never thought that would happen. I think I know who is good and bad or strong and weak in this film, but here's the brilliance of it. I don't know if they do. I like two parts about that. The fact that he alludes to Samuel Jackson hating himself. That's not something we talked about, and that's not something, I, not something I really considered, but I imagine that in this situation with his wife, he's probably gone through a lot of, like, what could I have done different, and that sort of thing. And like that's the button that Wilson pushes at the end. Sort of, yeah. And then the other thing was the, what he said about Patrick Wilson never thinking he'd be challenged like that. Mm. That's a really interesting point, because that's something that, like, I mean, just, you know, look at our lives, like... And I'm not saying that we've been through, you know, any sort of like destitution or crazy amount of problems that other people have been through. But as you get older, you meet these challenges that you never would have expected five, ten years ago. Right. And that's that's definitely a vibe that you get from Patrick Wilson's character that like in all the things that he could have introduced into his like bucket of potential marital woes or relationship woes, angry racist neighbor probably wouldn't have been one of them. No. And now he's forced to deal with it. Right. That's an interesting point. That is. And if you rewatch the movie, like he is gently like he deals with everything kind of 15 minutes later. Uh huh. Like when, you know, when Samuel first makes the comment and he just goes in the backyard with and he's got a curious look on his face like, I think he just oh, he made like, a racist comment he to George me. George Costanza's it. Like yeah. he thinks about it too late. Yeah. Like, well, the jerk store called and they're out of you. Right. And yeah. even like with like the light thing, like the lights come on and she's like, oh my gosh, we have to talk to him. Yeah, I'll talk to him tomorrow. Uh-huh. You know, like he always just like puts things off. Uh-huh. So. And part of that is because he has no idea what the hell he's doing. And yeah. he's in way over his head. Yeah. So... Well, we went, on, we went on quite a while for this one, but I think that's a testament to the fact that you should check it out. Mm-hmm. Lakeview Terrace, in an alternate universe, it's called Lakeview Circle, but in the movie, <laughs> they say Lakeview Terrace. And if you've got any requests or any uh, suggestions, hit us up on Twitter. And I think you can comment on our uh, podcast page as well. And down the Facebook below each page. Episode. I don't know we have a Facebook page. We do have a Facebook page. Oh, I, I typically put like, the poster up so people can watch the movie before oh, nice. the podcast comes out. Okay. So, yeah. So, uh, hit us up with requests, suggestions. We'd love to hear them. And we're always looking for stuff that we haven't seen that somehow will evolve into a conversation about racism apparently is the, or, is the theory of this. Yeah. Is, it seems whatever we know very little about we like to pontificate on <laughs> that's all <laughs> yeah so if we can if we can get into a philosophical discussion about gremlins to the new batch mm-hmm. you can bet that we can go at it about a movie like this so until <laughs> next time thank you very much to our special guest and uh, we'll catch you next time all later right. <laughs> bye ciao Lakeview Terrace was produced by Screen Gems and Overbrook Entertainment. It was distributed by Sony Pictures Releasing. Second Chance Cinema is a fan of the film and urges you to check it out. Closing credits music is from the film's soundtrack composed by Jeff and Michael Dana. Thank you for listening to this episode of Second Chance Cinema. If you have any comments, questions, corrections, or would like to recommend a movie for a future show, you could reach us at 2ndchancecinema at gmail.com. That's 2ndchancecinema at gmail.com. We have a Second Chance Cinema Facebook group. You can find us on Twitter at MCNSPRO or check us out on Instagram at 2ndchancecinema. To help our little show out, please tell your friends about us. Leave a review wherever you listen, and be sure to subscribe and download each episode you listen to, as those simple steps makes us much more visible in the universe, which makes these fine secret cinematic masterpieces more visible and isn't that really the whole point now go on and have a beautiful day you wonderful person you and remember according to roger ebert everybody has a reason to be racist doesn't give you an excuse to be an asshole though try not to be racist (laughs) enjoy your day sugar bridges 